You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Um, what do you say before we get into this? Uh, how about we go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to speak to us today? Heavenly Father, we worship you and we pray the blood of the Lord Jesus as our protection. We surrender ourselves to you. We bind Satan from our worship. And together we say, Satan, we command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to leave your, our presence with all your demons, your works and effects. But Holy Spirit of God, we welcome you. And we beg you for your protection and healing and freedom. So free us as we study your holy word. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, as we consider this topic of spiritual warfare today, I want to acknowledge that this can be somewhat controversial, can it? And it can be kind of odd to uh, many people. And those of you that are spiritual investigators or you're new to City Church, we feel like we owe it to you to be honest with you and straightforward about what we believe about spiritual warfare and uh, what we have experienced and the like. And so we hope that it won't be too weird for you, but... Um, you know, there are some things in the Bible that are just odd, you know, and some things that are strange to our sensibilities. And I know that some of you are thinking, you know, what kind of whack church is this? I mean, are they going to tell us we need to believe in chupacabras and, you know, the um, Bigfoot? And are these a bunch of people that believe that Bigfoot is real or, you know, uh, um, you know championship wrestling is real? Oh, um, well, I had to ask myself those questions when I first started having these experiences years ago, I thought, man, am I like one of those whack nut jobs, you know, like the church lady on Saturday Night Live who thinks everybody's filled with Satan, you know? <laughs> and I thought to myself, uh, you know, are there other like credible people that I would consider to be credible who believe in this kind of stuff? And I started reading books by uh, Dr. Neil Anderson who is an engineer who then went and got his credentials to be a seminary professor at Talbot Seminary. And then there's Dr. Tim Warner, who teaches at Trinity Divinity School, both seminary professors. And then I had a professor in seminary named Dr. Roy Fish. He was mentor also to um, Rick Warren, who's best-selling author and pastor. And both of those men, all the men I've just mentioned, have had these types of experiences with dark spiritual realities. And then a few years ago, I was at a roundtable discussion in Nassau with Dr. David Allen, who's been a professor at both Harvard and Yale. And he was relating to us his story of um, experiencing the demonic. And there are many, many more that I could mention. Then a few years ago, I uh, had a couple come to my office that wanted my help with some spiritual problems that they were having. Their names, Jen and Mike. Jen and Mike uh, were not superstitious, hocus-pocus kind of people. They had both graduated from the Air Force Academy, and those of you that know anything about that know that it's very difficult to just get into the Air Force Academy, and they both graduated and were very sharp young people. But what was happening was is that Jen was experiencing this spirit guide she called it, that would come to her, and uh, its name was Michael. And then she would sometimes lose control of her own hand and start writing these hateful notes. She would write things like, kill yourself, or um, the hand, you know, her hand would write notes like, I hate Mike. Mike was her husband. And they came to me uh, for help on this. Well, how did Jen start having these problems? Well, her stepdad 
was a psychiatrist who believed in new age spirituality. And he had introduced Jen to Michael, the spirit guide. So I'm going to tell you the rest of their story here in just a minute. But before I do, I know that you all come from very different backgrounds. And geographically, we are located at a place where Western naturalism that comes from the north and highly charged spirituality that comes from our south collide right here in San Antonio. So those of us that grew up in a naturalist environment, we believe only in the things that we can verify and see. That's kind of more my background at my earliest years. You know, if science has to validate it, I have to be able to see it or I don't believe in it. But even those of you who come from a background similar to mine have to admit that we can see the influences of evil in our world. We can see oppression, human tra trafficking, unnecessary wars and killing and murders. So we can see the results of evil and it doesn't take much to take the next step to believe that there is a force behind that evil motivating it. And sometimes those of us who grew up in Western naturalism philosophy, and that's our worldview, sometimes we're kind of prejudiced towards other people who don't believe like we do, and we think that all those people in the Orient and Africa and South, South and Central America are just those ignorant people that don't know better. But isn't that a little arrogant to say that kind of thing? Could it be that our friends in other parts of the world have perhaps experienced some things that we have not? And then those of you that some of you have grown up in very uh, spiritually aware environments, highly charged spiritual environments, like, for example, the Santeria, right, which is actually a voodoo that's been given Christian language to describe voodoo religion. And some of you have grown up with the influence of the curanderos, who are the supposed mystical healers who can remove evil spirits with herbs and putting an egg under your bed. Look, your mom or your grandma had good intentions when practicing that kind of stuff. But here's what I want to suggest to you today is that the practices of Santeria and the Curanderos actually open you up to more demonic spiritual traffic and attacks than it does protect you. And when you experience potential demonic manifestations and dark realities. I know what some of you do. You say, well, I've heard that Pastor Doug knows how to deal with that kind of thing, so let's just call him. And I'm saying no, okay? <laughs> and, and here's uh, why I'm saying that. It's not because I'm not regularly dealing with that kind of thing or that I don't want to help you. But I want you to see throughout this series that you have the authority to deal with these things. It isn't just some sage on a stage, but you had been given the authority to deal with these types of things. And the reason that we're doing this series is because in recent days, I've received an unusual number of requests to deal with dark spiritual realities. People are having night terrors and all types of um, spiritual experiences. And then I did a little bit of reading in recent days and found out that the Roman Catholic Church is having to train up more people to do exorcisms. And then I read that the Archbishop of Madrid said that there has been an unprecedented rise in demonic manifestations. And so more and more of you may have to learn to deal with this type of thing. Jesus didn't want to be the only one who 
was casting out demons. And so he empowered and he trained his disciples to deal with this stuff. And I want to show you this in Luke chapter 9. Look on screen with, with me at verse 1. It says, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power. And what's that next word? Authority. authority to drive out demons. And after he gave them this power and authority there, look what happens just a chapter later after they'd been using their authority in Luke 10, 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you, what's that word again? Authority. Authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So as I was thinking about this, I had lunch with a friend yesterday who has been in law enforcement his whole career, and he's been a detective and on a task force to overcome terrorism, and uh, he started out as just a regular patrolman police officer, and he let me borrow his badge today. So I'm so excited because this is not like, you know, a plastic badge that you would get at the store. I mean, this is like a legit SAPD badge, and so I've kind of been, you know, uh, like you know, playing with it instead of, you know, like putting it on, I feel all cool and everything. But, you know, um, this is like a symbol of his authority. Now, my friend wore this badge humbly to serve people, you know, and he definitely took out some bad guys, but at the same time, he always looked for opportunities to extend grace to other human beings. In fact, I'm one of them because years ago when my marriage was struggling, I stayed at this friend's home while my wife and I were separated and going through counseling, and he was a big catalyst for my marriage being saved and thriving today. And so this guy uh, is a great dude in my eyes. His name is Bob. But when Bob put on this badge and he went and took out bad guys that were hurting other people, and when he would tell someone to stop, he would say, stop in the name of the law. They had to do it because he's wearing this badge, right? And when he would take out the bad guys and protect people, he was stepping up to his authority that was given to him with this badge to serve and protect the people of San Antonio. And so here's what I'm asking you to do today in this one simple thought. Step up to your authority. It's like today in the spiritual realm, some of you have been given this authority by God when you believed in Christ. And today, it's like you're putting on your badge of authority. And you can speak not just in the name of the law, but in the name of Jesus Christ. So back to Jen and Mike's story for just a minute. In order to get real relief spiritually, the next time something took control of Jen's hand and she started to write a hateful message, she was trained to say, stop. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command whatever evil causes us to do this to stop. And Michael, you no longer have any power over me in Jesus' name. And her hand relaxed and she felt a peace and a calm in her life that she had not felt in many years. And there are gens all over our city that need you to step up to your authority, right? Step up and utilize your authority. 
And you know, there are people all over the city that are struggling with different things that they need our help with. People that you care about are having these irrational insecurities and addictions and unnecessary sicknesses and night terrors and troubling dreams. And we acknowledge that many of the problems and struggles and issues that we deal with this in, in this life are really just because of our choices or because we live in a fallen world. But what the Bible teaches is that in addition to that, there's something else going on in the shadows. So today, I'm gonna show you five facets of your authority in Christ. Number one, step up to your authority in power encounters and in practical encounters. Uh, power encounters and practical encounters. My police officer friend tells me that a good officer knows when to get into a real physical confrontation. And he also knows when to use what he called verbal judo. They've been trained to confront people but using the right kind of body language and word that will diffuse the situation rather than getting into a power encounter. And we have to know the difference as well. So throughout this series, you're going to hear us tell some stories of demonic manifestations and, you know, actual exorcisms. But I want you to know that these power encounters are actually a very small percentage of the spiritual warfare that goes on out there. Even though those encounters are on the rise these days, um, it's a minority of what we experience. And so the majority of spiritual warfare is in what I call practical encounters. Practical spiritual warfare encounters is when demonic spirits will use the words of significant people all around you to try and trigger a bad emotional response. So for example, when your boss says, I need to meet with you in my office, what goes through your mind, right? You're thinking to yourself before you ever go in there, I know why the boss is calling me in there. This, this, this guy does not like me. And when I get in there, this guy's gonna go all Donald Trump on me. You're fired, you know, right? And then he's gonna fire me and he really doesn't like me. He is evil. He is evil. And I'm gonna end up, my body parts are gonna end up in his filing cabinet. I mean, he's gonna kill me and put me in there and no one's ever gonna know, right? See how far our minds go and what happens is, is that uh, the enemy uses our thoughts to play tricks on us. According to psychologist Henry Cloud, 99% of what's in your head is false. And isn't that, doesn't that bear out to be true? Many times is that we, uh, when we constantly have these negative thoughts, they can trigger surges of cortisol and adrenaline, and over time, it can make you feel depressed. And so I read an article this last week on emotional biochemistry, and scientists are finding that there's this, and have found many years ago and are finding more and more that there is this huge connection between our thoughts and our physical bodies. And the enemy knows this. And the enemy will be shooting thoughts, arrows into our heads that are negative that will cause us to secrete chemicals that will lead to our demise. Our spiritual enemy knows this. So we have to step up to our authority on both the power encounters and the practical encounters. But number two... Step up to your authority with discernment. My police officer friend was telling me that when he's in a room with a criminal, a bad guy, he just has a spidey sense about it. He just knows he's that a good officer will have this sense about someone when they're around someone that's trouble. And the same is true with us. We have to use discernment. And so when I sit down with someone, I have to understand the difference and discern the difference between someone who is demonized and someone who just has mental illness, right? 
there is multiple personality disorder and schizophrenia and all kinds of mental illness that it doesn't mean someone has a demon in them. And sometimes there's a combination of the two. And we have to be able to discern that. So like in recent days, I was sitting in my office with someone and I said, just look into my eyes. And the face does this. No. What do you think that is? The Bible teaches us that the eyes are the window to the soul. And there are times where a demon spirit won't want to look into the eyes of someone who walks in the Holy Spirit of God. But another thing we have to discern is the difference between voices because many times demon voices sound good. They don't sound evil, but they sound good. And that was certainly the case in the book of Acts when a demonized fortune teller seemed to be doing PR work for Paul and the apostles. In fact, when they were coming down the way, this lady would say, these men are servants of the most high God and they're showing you the way of salvation. And after four days of this, Paul gets annoyed and he says, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave her. And the demon got flushed down the spiritual toilet, if you will. And how did Paul know that this woman who seemed to be doing like PR work for him had a demon. Well, the reason he knew is because she was a distraction. Can you imagine in church if someone's sitting there trying to hear the teachings of the word of God and someone's standing up talking about the great man of God on the stage? It's a distraction and a discerning person knows the difference between a distractor and a true voice, you know? So turn off your cell phones in church, right? <laughs> See, don't be a distractor there. But another idea I want to show you is to step up your authority with humility. When it comes to dealing with the demonic, over the past 30 years, I've been exposed to these things. I feel like a learner, not a knower. And I wish there was some course that would just tell you, you know, everything that you might encounter in a spiritual warfare situation but I'm still learning and I've gone through courses and I've read lots of books on this. I also wish it was just as simple as saying in the name of Jesus, be gone, and it worked every time. Now that's certainly a great starting point, um, but sometimes it gets a bit more complicated than that. And here's why, because our hearts and attitudes have a huge impact on our effectiveness as we try and deal with the demonic. And the disciples learned this the hard way because remember, Jesus gave them this authority and they were going around casting demons out left and right until one day they encountered this boy and he would be caught, he'd be caused to fall down on the ground by these demons and go into like these epileptic seizures and then he would foam at the mouth. And the disciples were asked by the boy's dad to cast the demon out of him and they tried and it didn't work. And the dad was not happy with this. And so he goes to complain to Jesus. And look what happened in Luke 9, 40. It says, I begged your disciples to cast out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said, you faithful and corrupt people, how long must I be with you and put up with you? Then he said to the man, bring your son here. And as the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground, threw him into a violent convulsion, but Jesus rebuked the evil spirit, healed the boy, and he gave him back to his father. I can just see the disciples after this. They know that Jesus is really aggravated with them, and they're kind of walking away with their tail between their legs. I'm such a loser. You know, they realize that they didn't have the power to take care of this thing. And I can relate to the disciples on that one because I wish all my 
demon stories were ones where I rode in like a knight in shining armor and was the Jedi of all things spiritual to take care of it, but that's not always been the case. In fact, one time I was in Romania and I encountered a young woman named Christina and she was manifesting these demonic spirits and uh, I was ministering to her alongside with the guy who had been my youth pastor when I was a student back uh, when in the youth group was in a cave and we wrote out Bible stories on the walls, you know. And we were ministering there side by side and here's part of what was going through my mind. I was thinking to myself, oh, my friend, many years ago you were the teacher but I have learned many things. And today, the student will become the teacher. <laughs> you see what's going on there? And I broke out all my bags of tricks and uh, tried to deal with this thing. And you know, that demon just looked at me and laughed. Neither one of us would turn out to be the teacher that night. And we fought those things late into the night. It was like 2.30 in the morning when this little humble Romanian woman walks into that room and she starts singing one of the most beautiful Romanian worship songs I've ever heard in my life. And that song of worship subdued the demon. See, it's not about anybody becoming the Jedi of all things cool. It's more about Jesus and seeing a person healed. And that's why I brought this picture of Christina and her boyfriend Luge, because I wanted to show you the look of peace on a young woman's face who has been set free. That's what it's about. Please don't go into that celebrating that the spirits obey you as Jesus said, but go in celebrating that with humility that your name has been written in heaven and glorifying Jesus at the freeing work that he's willing to do even through knuckleheads like some of us. But the next thing uh, that I want to show you is the connection between belief and authority. Belief and authority. It's very unwise to impersonate a police officer, isn't it? So when I was in high school, I had this friend, and he had one of these red Torinos that looked like that red Torino on the TV show Starsky and Hutch. Now, some of you may have seen that show in syndication where there were these two detectives, Starsky and Hutch, and they would catch the bad guys and they drove around town in their red Torino. Well, I had this friend in high school that had that exact same car. And as a prank, he got a flashing red light and he put it on top of his Torino and he would pull people over. And when they would pull over to the side of the road, uh, he would laugh at them and then he would drive away. And it was really funny up until the police got a hold of him. And then the fun was way over, okay? And so here's what I'm suggesting to you is that if you've not yet believed, it's like trying to take this badge out and pretend like you have an authority that you do not. And the seven sons of Sceva found this out in the New Testament book of Acts. They were not believers in Jesus and they tried to leverage the name of Jesus to involve themselves in spiritual warfare and the demons leaped up on the seven sons of Sceva and said, hey, look, Jesus, we know, Paul, heard of him, we have no idea who you are. And those demons beat the crap out of the seven sons of Sceva till they were running away, bloody and naked. So I wanna beg you, if you've never believed in Christ, please do not engage in spiritual warfare because you put yourself in grave danger. But let me show you the last idea here about your authority is step up to use the weapon of authority, the Bible. 
a good police officer does not go into a dangerous situation without the right kinds of weapons. They have been trained and prepared to use the right weapons in every different situation. And the Bible is not just a book of encouragement. And when I look online, I see people who just post all the pretty little things that the Bible has to offer. But you've got to understand that the word of God is to be wielded like a weapon. Now, when I say that, don't misunderstand. The Bible is not a weapon to be used for judgmentalism towards people that we don't like or in debates and the like. But it is a weapon not against other people, but against demonic spirits who are trying to destroy other people. And you already know it's important to read the Bible. It would be trite for me to stand up here and say as an application point, go read your Bible. You already know that. But I want you to understand that if you don't fill yourself with the word of God and you ever get into, whether it's practical or power encounters of spiritual warfare, you are not prepared. Don't miss your little Bible reading that you have on your phone. You know, you go through those plans and stuff on that little U-verse Bible or whatever. Don't miss it. Because the day you miss may be the verse that God was going to use to help you in a spiritual battle. While we're going throughout this series, come to the services. Because the very week that you were distracted and kept from here may be the very week that you would learn a principle that God wants to use in you to set someone else free or set yourself free or someone in your family free from something. And so what I'm trying to do is crank up the intensity in your hearts for the word of God, not as a pretty little saying to make everybody feel warm fuzzies on your Facebook, but for you to wield as a weapon against demonic spirits that are literally trying to kill and destroy people that you love. That's the word of God. And that's how important it is. The word of God is a light for our paths. It is a light that causes cockroaches to flee. It is a light that illuminates the lies of the enemy that trick us and destroy us. When I think about that concept of the word of God as light against the snakes, it reminds me of an experience I had some years ago when I was in seminary, I had this redneck friend named Henry, and I liked him. Henry was from South Carolina, and he liked to go fishing. And so we would go fishing, and we would go night fishing, right? We'd go night fishing on this river, and we would catch these stringers full of catfish, right? And I remember more than one occasion in which we would pull up the stringer, and there would be a snake eating its way up one of our catfish. And so those snakes would eat our fish all the time. And finally, Henry and I just had enough. And so we decided we're going in after him tonight. And so we, I, I took a flashlight, okay, and we walked out into this water up to our thighs, right? And I would shine that light in the water as we walked through that water looking for those snakes, right? And then we would see the snake, and the snake would slither up, and we'd want that snake to get as close as possible to us, right? And so as the snake would slither up on top of the water, I'd shine the light in his eyes, and you know what Henry would do? Henry found this two-by-four nearby. And Henry, when I would shine the light in the snake's eyes, Henry would just, bat way harder than that, right? 
and he would knock it out. And he would knock out the snake, then he would fish it out of there, it's still kind of squirming, and we would carry it up to the bank, and we'd put it on the ground, and we would cut its head off. And by the end of that night, we had a pile of dead snakes. And they no longer stole our fish. (laughs) So let me tell you something. During this series, from here, we're going to shine a light. And we're going to hand you a big stick that you need to utilize with much humility. But here's what you're going to learn to do with your authority. It's like you got a depression in your life. You're going to say, not here. I've got authority over you in the name of Jesus. There are going to be no more depression here. Addiction, not here. My board's almost gone. (laughs) Not going to be happening here. Not going to happen here. Oh, you think you're going to attack my children? No. No, I got two. Right? See? So with that in mind, let's bow for prayer. And so as we bow before the Lord, if you would choose today to step up to your authority in Christ, I want you to raise your hand if you choose to receive your authority in Christ today. All over the room, yeah. I'm going to choose my authority in Christ, yes. And so, Lord Jesus, you see those who are choosing today to live up, step up to their authority in you. I pray that you protect them and give them wisdom and guidance in the powerful name of Jesus. And as we continue in prayer, perhaps you realize that you're very vulnerable right now because you've never believed. I would be doing you a great disservice if I did not give you opportunity to pray and believe in Christ and receive him into your life. I want you to just pray just between you and God right now if you want to believe today. Just say between you and God, God, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And I welcome you into my life. If you just prayed that, I want you to look at me just for a minute. Just look up. Everybody else keeping their eyes closed. You just received a badge today. You just received a badge of authority. And I want you to receive it in the spiritual realm. Now, as we continue to pray, now that many of us have just believed and received a badge and others have stepped up to your authority, we just want to pray in unity together today that you snakes are going to get off our people You snakes may not cause our children to be divided from parents. You may not steal our money anymore. You may not cause division between people and their supervisors and employees at work who are part of this church. You may not depress them and destroy marriages. You may not harm kids. You may not addict us to drugs or alcohol. You may not cause bitterness and unforgiveness. You may not addict us to lust. You may not cause eating disorders. You may not cause our people to cut themselves. Uh, You may not cause them to hate themselves. You may not 
terrorize them at night. You may not blind them from the gospel, and you may not blind us from our authority in Christ. You get off from us in Jesus' name with all your works and effects. And all who agreed with these prayers said what? Amen. 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 Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.